0: Welcome to another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hallberg. Joining me today is evangelist and missionary, Carlos Chacon. Brother Chacon is a graduate of Providence Baptist College and is sent out of Northwest Bible Baptist Church. And uh, if you want to check out our previous conversation with Brother Chacon, talking about soul winning and discipleship, you can check out our YouTube channel and also the audio only podcast platforms uh, where you can catch all of our different episodes. So thank you so much for joining us again, Brother Chacon. Thank you for having me. We. We're talking about your personal testimony, and we made application towards soul winning. We made application toward discipleship and how Christians can effectively be a soul winner uh, and disciple people. Um, and we basically ended your story with uh, you know joining the Christian school at Northwest Bible Baptist Church, um, and you had expressed a calling to preach. And maybe at the time you didn't know exactly what that meant or what direction you were going to go. Uh, but eventually you were enrolled in a Bible Institute that we had, and then Providence Baptist College began in 1998, and you attended there as well. Can you talk a little bit about your college years, and maybe what were some things that guided you and directed you to the direction that God has you going today?
1: Yes. Since I was in the Christian school, I knew that was for preparation for ministry, and my pastor told me that. He said, you need to prepare for ministry. So right after that we did bible institute which was here also uh, just kind of on a smaller scale mm-hmm. so we did bible institute and then we started you know here providence baptist college and uh, i was here for the first chapel the first day and so uh, just a very exciting time but i knew that uh, this whole time uh, these years studying here i was preparing for the ministry and that god had a plan for my life to prepare me and so I remember just going to work, you know, working, uh, I drove a forklift somewhere in a a dock and would come to uh, college in the daytime for classes and just, I had moved out here and so I lived out here in this area now in Elgin and was just involved in, in the church and in the college.
0: Okay. And so during those years of college, you know, did you graduate knowing that you wanted to go into some kind of evangelism or missions work?
1: Yes, absolutely. In fact, I remember being in the offices with the academic dean. I remember making sure that my degree or diploma was evangelism major, you know, Mm -hmm. I already knew. Uh, So I I, I wanted to make sure I was very specific. You know, I was very, I was targeting my, my calling. I knew that it was evangelism. Mm-hmm. And uh, so from an early time, you know, I began to prepare. My pastor sent me to travel with an evangelist, with, which was Dr. Joe Boyd. This was 1995 and 96. I traveled two summers with Dr. Joe Boyd. And we were in one of his meetings that was kind of a historic meeting, which was Salt Lake City, Utah. And it was a six-week tent campaign and, uh, in Mormon country. Wow.
0: How and so you traveled with him as a teenager you were still in high school at the time
1: yes it was I was probably 17 and 18 years old and I remember getting back from traveling with him and we had uh, the first tent revival we say we call it the first tent revival with the with the teenagers and uh, along with some others who Mm -hmm. were involved it was 1996. And we did a, a teen tent revival uh, in a, at the Elgin Sports Complex. And so, that, you know, that, those were those days.
0: Wow, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And so God used the, that opportunity to kind of direct you and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, lead you to what you're doing even today in evangelism and even some tent ministry type things. That's amazing.
1: Yes, we had another teen tent revival uh, when I was in college. And Mm -hmm. so, and it was a little bit bigger because now we had more experience about how to develop and plan for it. Same place, Elgin Sports Complex. It was the year 2000. We had 700 people in the tent and for, you know, for three nights. And so all the young people, the college students really uh, were supportive of it. The church was behind it. We had raised funds and raised money all year long. And so invested that. Churches came out to be supportive. And so... Uh, when we had that meeting, you know, God confirmed with me uh, about my, my ministry and my calling, and it was just like uh, Joe Boyd said, you don't have to train them, you just have to aim them. You know, it was like, <laughs> turn me loose, I want to hurry up and graduate, just let's get it done, yeah. you know, and let me get to my ministry and just completely, uh, you know, trying to hurry up and, you know, get on deputation and raise my support and things like that.
0: I think the lesson to be learned here, and I'm just trying to draw some application from your story here, is that you know many young people they're searching for God's will from their couch <laughs> and you found God's will serving God you got busy doing something and that's what kind of guided you and directed you there's no such thing
1: as an anointed couch potato we have to <laughs> we have to get out and work and serve and do something and I often say, even if you're doing something wrong, I mean, you might be doing something right, like soul winning, but it might not be in the right place or the, you know, the right time. But don't worry, God will direct you into the right to be soul winning in the right place. You know, if you say, I don't know which bus route to be on. Well, just, just get started, show up s- Saturday and God will God will direct everything to where you'll be in his will. So mm-hmm. absolutely, we have to work. God uses people that are busy, that are working. And, and uh, so, yes,
0: sir. I, you mentioned that revival, the tent revival at the Elgin Sports Complex in the year 2000. My family moved to Elgin in the year 2000. We had just joined Northwest Bible Baptist Church. And it was in that summer, I believe, and I had only been a part of the ministry like four weeks or five weeks, probably, when that event took place. And I remember going to it. Uh, and it was very it was very exciting and wow. very interesting, uh, my first uh, time, I think, under a tent for some kind of a service like that.
1: Yes, and uh, we had a Billy Sunday theme. Remember, remembering Billy Sunday, back to the Sawdust Trail because of a historic landmark here in in the area. Mm-hmm. And so we had that theme, and we had we brought in. Uh, sawdust it was actually wood chips but it was the closest thing that we can get (laughs) and so we we went to lumber yards you know and planned all of this and so we had to get a permit and we had a battle with the park district over the permit it just seemed they were putting it off and weren't cooperating there was no reason you know all all the requirements were there so we had a little battle with the park district where Mm -hmm. we had to come and say and i had to call them and show up and and just tell them look you'll give me the permit i need this permit or tomorrow, I'm just going to bring all these teenagers here and all these college students, and I'm calling the news media, and I'm calling the newspaper, and, uh, and we'll just talk about this on the air. Mm. And, uh, you know, they said, we'll, we'll give it to you in a few minutes. So they gave us the permit for the (laughs) tent ministry, you know, because that permit hindered our publicity. You can't advertise until you have the permit. So once they gave us that, it was the green light to put the signs up everywhere and just all the enthusiasm, you know, and all the emotion of, wow, they got a tent meeting going on.
0: Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So you uh, then... Fast forward, you graduated from college and things like that, and you continue on with this idea of tent ministry evangelism with Brother Boyd, and you end up getting a couple of tents, one here in the United States and one in Mexico. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes, my pastor was definitely very instrumental in doing all of this, even before, uh, even, you know, sending me off with Dr. Joe Boyd and so forth and guiding me, so Pastor Gomez uh, helped me get my first tent, and he bought me my first tent, and it was the tent that we had used at the sports complex. And... So he helped me, you know, get started with some basic equipment and things that I need, trailers and things or vehicles and van and and just uh, get it all together, you know, just this, this rig on the road, you know. And uh, so God put it all together. And so Pastor Gomez helped me to set all that up. And I went into Mexico and just started in small villages, smaller churches. There was a kind of a big question about what's an evangelist? What's a, what does an evangelist do? And it, there was confusion about it. I really wasn't sure how to explain it to them because this, it, it seemed to be a cultural thing in America where it's normal to have evangelists visit your church and preach a revival, but the Mexicans were not familiar with really? this. Okay. They were not familiar with this. And so that was kind of a barrier, but it, it didn't matter. We still had good meetings. We still had, you know, revivals. But my age, I was 24 years old, you know, just being a young man, that was something like, um, you know, people weren't sure about it. But then when they started seeing these tent meetings being filled with people, and we're talking about crowds of 200 and 300 people, and uh, their churches being helped, five day revivals, seven day revivals, it just, I, I was just so busy, absolutely, for the first six years of my ministry, doing nothing but tent.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, I never even knew about that cultural difference, where the idea of having an evangelist come in and preach a special meeting was kind of foreign mm-hmm. uh, to the to the people of Mexico. That's pretty interesting. Um, can you talk a little bit about the tent ministry and basically the why? Why a tent ministry? I mean, is there some advantage to having a tent meeting rather than having a meeting within a church building, like you know typically happens? I I definitely it's, think there, it's definitely unusual.
1: Yes, a tent you know is definitely something that comes from that American revivalism culture. So mm-hmm. it's definitely cultural. It's definitely, you know, it comes from the historic roots of Amer- American revivalism. Um, so it, I guess in our type of religion where we talk about the old paths and, and so forth, it just seems to be part of our DNA, you know. And, and, and so mm-hmm. uh, I took this tent ministry to Mexico and God began to provide, you know, all, all the things that we need. Started having meetings. And uh, it is a tent just... Having a tent set up brings God consciousness to the community. Even if they're not members of the church, you know, all these lost people driving by, they know there's something happening. Something's going on. There's going to be some preaching that, you know, a lot of older people will say, well, that reminds me when I was young, I went to a tent meeting, you know. Mm. And uh, even if they're not churchgoers anymore, but it brings a lot of conviction just to see a tent set up and a revival announced. So that just from the very beginning before the meeting ever starts, that is an effect. Now, in the Mexican culture, it does this. The, the, the Mexican people are Catholic and they say, well, I cannot go to a Baptist church because that's a sin, you know, mm-hmm. but they say, well, this tent's not a church because to them, <laughs> their mindset is church is a building, you know, yeah. we, we understand church is not a building, it's a people, mm-hmm. but they think, well, I can go to the tent, it's okay. Uh, my priests shouldn't get mad about that, you know,
0: things wow. like that. I never even thought about that kind of advantage. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did think about that God consciousness because uh, it, you're right about when we, when I think old paths, old time religion, I think, I think tabernacles, I think open air, I think tents, uh, and that's kind of a part of our American culture. But yeah, for the Mexican people, that is a big issue, and it allows them a little caveat. Okay, well, I couldn't do that, but I could do this, and mm-hmm. they can hear the gospel where otherwise they probably wouldn't have. That's right. Wow. What are some of the conditions that, you know, You know, as an evangelist, you're traveling around the country, maybe a pastor calls you once you're in for a meeting, and you, maybe the tent uh, meeting might be an option. What are some of the conditions that you try to have before you do some kind of a tent meeting and, uh, with a pastor?
1: I definitely uh, like to talk to the pastors and, and just kind of interview them and talk to them and say, see about this first they have to have a property do you have a property or a park that you can you can obtain and i often ask them are there houses near there are there houses around there because a lot of people say oh we got a property you know but it's maybe the houses are not near there maybe it could be industrial area we're just factories Mm -hmm. you know so it's got to be in the midst of the people so i tell them there has to be a property big enough it's got to be close to the houses where we're going to invite people to come to the tent meeting and I often will say do you have the men in your church that can come sometimes they say well they all work i've had that happen where they say all my men are working you know so do you have the men who can come or we can set it up in the evening you know if they get off work and come and we've done that a lot uh, how many men it's got to be 10 to 15 men you know that okay. uh, just to make it just to make it you know easier for everyone and spend a couple 3 or 4 hours mm-hmm. to set up the tent so set it Tent setup is a lot of hard work, especially if you're down to a few handful of people.
0: Okay, and so uh, Pastor calls you and want to have a tent meeting, and you—it's very—it's more practical conditions. It's, mm-hmm. it's how many people do I have to help me? Where? Where's the location we can set this up and just get people in to that tent meeting?
1: Yes, I will also ask them some other things, like I will say, you know, are are other churches going to be involved? Are you going to invite churches? Will this work? Uh, Do you have a building where we could just have the revival meeting in the building? You know, so sometimes I will ask him, is this just for your church? Do you want outreach or is it just, you know, uh, like a conference in your church? And Mm -hmm. so we can adapt and make adjustments. A lot of meetings are in the churches and sometimes uh, some of the meetings could be open air. So we've had a lot of success Mm -hmm. with that. And it also matters if it's just one day, it could be like a big open air meeting. But if they say, no, we're going to be five days, you know, we're celebrating a big big revival that we do every year, you know, then
0: maybe it's better to have the tent if they're bringing other churches. Do you have any interesting stories uh, from, because obviously tents are unusual and they probably draw a crowd that wouldn't otherwise just go into a church building, like you said, and maybe it draws some interesting characters.
1: I I, I do. We had a area-wide meeting I call it area-wide because of the strategy we had 12 cooperating churches in the city of monterey okay uh, in Mexico and we had 700 people come out every night these are smaller churches wow. but they were able to pack it out with That's visitors and so forth five days and so but in that meeting we had I, I always I'm always careful to get the permit mm-hmm. first uh, and so we got the permit and the neighborhood authorities came and said we don't want you to set up this tent here and who are you? We don't know who you are. I said, here's the permit. They said, well, we don't care. It's just a piece of paper. We don't know who you are still, you know, all this stuff. And I just said, just just stay right here. I'll be right back. And I I went straight to the police department and I said, we got people harassing us. They happen to be authorities from the city or from the local neighborhood. And so the police uh, happened to be a Christian police, you know, and so he came, he got to the tent. Those people scattered like, you know, cockroach when you turn on the lights, you know, they just (laughs) scattered. And, um, but he was able to catch up to some of them and say, listen, um, what's, ha- what's going on here? What, why are you harassing these young men or saying, telling them to leave and not set up the tent? And and they said, well, we are the authorities in this neighborhood and, and so forth? And they said they have a permit. It's signed by the county judge. You know, it's, it's, um, this meeting is a big meeting that's, that's being planned here. And so you have to respect that, you know. And so the police, uh, obviously, he parked there the whole week. He said, I'm going to park here the whole week, you know, mm-hmm. in case somebody wants to come and just get, uh, cause trouble. And so that's what happened during that time. And it reminds me when the Bible says, you know, uh, your enemies shall flee seven ways. You know, in Deuteronomy 28, mm-hmm. uh, your enemies shall flee from you and I will bless you and so forth. And so I've had, I've had experiences where on two occasions the tent fell. Oh, my goodness. And uh, the tent fell, I mean, just completely not in the service, but in, yeah. in the daytime or once it was at night, uh, rainy night. And the reason was the, the land was slightly, you know, slanted. So that uh, even if we set it up good, you know, s- a slightly slant, every pressure point counts, every rope, every stake, you know. And so it rains and it makes the tent like this. Mm. Pretty soon it came down. There we were the next morning, even with our even with church ladies and stuff and women and men and children setting it all up again, you know, yeah. because we had a meeting at night and we got it set up and kept going. Had another meeting. The wind just completely a strong windstorm came and just began to, you know, uh, just untie the ropes and everything. And I just said, let's just finish untying it let it go, you know, before it rips or tears. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of things have happened. Don't, I've done a lot of driving back and forth through the Mexican border. And police will stop us or immigration, you know, customs and so forth. What do you have here? What's this? And, and, and uh, what are you doing? You know, all this stuff like that. And uh, I've had a, I learned to talk my way through, you know uh, just get, get to the border and I have the proper documents, you know, but sometimes, uh, they don't care, you know? Yeah. And so we learned to just, um, uh, learn, learn to talk to these authorities, these border custom authorities. Now I keep the tent. I have a tent in Mexico and I have a tent here. So I, I don't have to do that, but I did that a lot in
0: my earlier years. Well, that's a pretty awesome story. You know, just, you know, logistics, it's logistics. You're trying to figure th- some things out. Uh, just as a parting shot here, uh, for our, our episode here, uh, can you just talk a little bit about uh, the need uh, for evangelism, the need for uh, you know, evangelists being in churches, and what have you seen God do uh, through your ministry?
1: Concerning evangelism, there's a very important message that I, that I have. It's four principles, sowing, planting, watering, and reaping. So when somebody says, you know, what's an evangelist, what should an evangelist do? Well, everybody has to work through their pastor, their local church. The Bible says, listen, you know, what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So one church might be focused on one area like Mm sowing, you know. Another church might be focused on planting. Another church might want to have a ministry of watering, you know, and, and others of reaping. So. Some There are some things, you know, we have a model mm-hmm. for something. The Great Commission is a model. It doesn't matter where it is, what culture, it has to be obeyed. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of things that are a model, but there are some things that are very unique and particular and that there can be no, no copy. It's very unique, individual. And that's where we need to walk with God and have the discernment. So these four principles of evangelism, we have to, we have to every young man and has to decide what ministry am I going to have or what time frame am i in what mission field am i in there's some mission fields that your ministry is just going to be sowing you know mm-hmm. all the soul winning all, maybe no but not much fruit not much results but being faithful in a place where it's a sowing ministry some ministries will have you know uh, it's a church planting ministry they they can start churches and and they can plant churches and so it's a planting ministry and some it's a watering ministry now this comes from the scriptures you know yep. the bible says in corinthians some plant some water god gives the increase uh, he that planted, he that watered, uh, are nothing, but it's the Lord that gives the increase. So, But it says, the Bible says, they are one. Mm. That's a key thing. So we're all really, this kind of missionary and that kind of missionary and that kind of ministry and this kind of ministry might be totally different. But the Bible says we're one. Even Jesus said in John 4, when he said, you know, he, he said, I've sent you to, you know, to, to labor or, or to reap the harvest where you have not labored, you know, he said to to reap and to. Uh, and he says that, they, that he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Yeah. So it's like saying we're all in this together. You know, there might be a missionary who is, has a small church and has a sowing ministry, has a planting ministry. He He's sowing and planting. Now, my ministry is is a reaping ministry because yeah. I come in for a week or a few days and have this big evangelistic meeting that I try to do or big day. And it's just you know to get a bunch of people saved so i agree you know some people will misjudge our ministry and say well what about discipleship what about following up and i'll say that's what the church is there for you know that's your job and so um as much as i i you know agree with discipleship and so forth but an evangelist god has given me a reaping ministry so our job is to reap the harvest now what if we did sowing planting watering and we didn't do the reaping. That would be a waste, you know, yeah, to not right. do the reaping. It, it, it would be meaningless to do the planting, the sowing and everything. So all the people who have done the sowing and the planting, the early pioneer missionaries, those who went to break the ground and, you know, carved it out. Well, now, now it could be a time for a big citywide revival you know mm-hmm. but they should be rejoicing in our efforts and we we are entering into their labors so that is we have to see the broader
0: picture of all of this oh, that's great I love that so thank you so much brother the Jacone for joining us if you want to check out our other conversations with brother Jacone in the past or in the future even check out our YouTube channel and our audio only podcast platforms and make sure you uh, like and subscribe this uh, to this channel and you'll get more updates from future episodes as well thanks for joining us.